0: of the impossible but he is a God who is unstoppable there is nothing that can stop the God you serve no mountain no disease no issue can bear it he is bigger than everything and all things all at the same time I don't know if there's anybody in this room today that just believes God is unstoppable That's why the key in most situations is getting God to start a thing. Because if he ever starts a thing, no thing can stop him once he starts. So if he starts healing your body, ain't no disease can stop him from the healing he starts. Y'all ain't saying nothing. If he ever starts bringing your husband in from the world and saving it, he who has begun a good work is faithful to bring that thing to completion God is unstoppable I don't know what you need God to do in your life but take 10 seconds right here and thank him for what he's about to do I'm telling you the devil is in trouble today I'm telling you, every demon's trying to hit the door. Every imp is trying to run for cover because there is an anointing in this room that's about to run every single disease and issue up out of this building. I feel the anointing and the glory of God moving its way through every aisle, into every seat. It's touching every light. Reach up right now. Reach up right now and begin to let the Spirit of the Lord begin to minister to you. I feel the anointing of God moving right now. He's touching right now. Now somebody give Him glory in this room, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. I said the devil is a liar. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Flip up your hands to heaven. I I just sense the anointing of God. I don't want to get too quick. Somebody came in this room today desperate and urgent and fervent. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, He has seen your faith. Somebody has walked in this room today Believing for something that nobody else would believe with you for. But God's eyes have been on you this whole service. And while you were praising and worshiping, I hear you, Holy Ghost. God said, I was working. He's working. He's working. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He's working. He's working. He's working. working. He's working it, he's working it. it, Holy Ghost, working, working. He's working, he's working. I don't know who I'm talking to, he's working. he's working, he's working. He's working, he's working, he's working. He's working, Father, I thank you for what I feel. Now God, I pray speak in Jesus' name. Somebody who believes it, shout amen one more time. Wow, you feel what I feel in this room today? Would you just give this band and this team a God bless you, what an incredible time of worship. Stay standing just a few more seconds I want you to grab your Bible and open it up to the book of Matthew I found out I was preaching yesterday hallelujah but how many know when you're instant in season or out of season you always got something You, you know how you stay instant you just add water that's why the Bible says the Spirit of God is like water If instant food is made by adding water to it, God will make you instant by adding his spirit. That's why you gotta stay more sensitive to the spirit than you are your circumstances, because sometimes God will use you when you're least expecting it, and he'll just add water. (laughs) All right, that's not my message. But God is good, amen? Matthew chapter 11, my beautiful wife is on the front row. She looks so good. Did she not do so good standing up here? so proud of you this incredible team i don't know about you but i love our pastors i think we've got the greatest pastors in the entire world pastors jim and Don, can you let them know all the way in israel come on let them know all the way let them hear you all the way in israel we honor you and uh he called me and said i need you to preach and i said absolutely and uh this is my seventh time preaching in five days hallelujah I say all that to say I feel like preaching I feel like today's message I don't think I don't think it was by chance or by some mere circumstance that God had me in this pulpit today all week long God has been speaking to me prophetically out of one passage of Scripture and it made even more sense when Wednesday I landed listen listen close I landed in Charlotte Wednesday morning to preach and when I turned on my phone I was met with the news that Reverend Billy Graham had passed away. I'm in Charlotte on the day he passes away. And I heard the Lord say as I was sitting on the plane that his mantle is not falling to one man, but his mantle is going to many men. I believe that we could be approaching the greatest season of evangelism and soul winning for the church as a whole. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And i don't know about you but i am thankful for the life of reverend billy graham i'm thankful for the come on if you're thankful for the man of god you ought to honor him i know he ain't here and he's rejoicing but while on earth we honor the work and the ministry of reverend billy millions upon millions isn't that the goal of it all to win souls and hear well done that's my goal when i leave this earth not to be loved by men but to hear well done from god amen but I feel like today's message, I'm not going to preach long, but I'm going to preach long. I, I'm, I'm going to yell in your ear what he's been whispering in mine. And if you know me, that ain't hard. But I feel a prophetic edge to my message today. I want you to open up your Bible's book of Matthew, chapter 11, just seven, or just, excuse me, five verses, starting at verse seven. And uh, I feel like preaching. If you got it, say amen. Do you feel him in this room? He's here. here this is what the Word of God says let's go to work and as they departed Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John what did you go out into the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind but what did you go out to see a man clothed in soft garments indeed those who wear soft clothing are in Kings houses but what did you go out to see a prophet yes I say to you and more than a prophet Mm. for this is he of whom it is written behold I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you Assuredly, I say unto you among those born of women there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he I don't know about you but I needed to hear that this morning he who is least is greater than the greatest prophet that ever walked the earth in Jesus time but I really wanted to come today to read you verse 12 because the Bible says and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom suffers violence and the violent uh, take it by force. Some of you got it and some of you didn't. Let me read it again. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. It is my assignment very briefly this morning. God told me to tell you that by the time you leave this place today, God told me to tell you you're about to become a force to be reckoned with. I said, God told me to tell you that by the time you leave this place, You're about to be a force to be reckoned with in your family, in your job, in your community. God is going to stir you, to move you, to use you. If you believe it, slip up your hands one more time. God, I thank you for what I feel. Speak in this room. Speak, God, until pain turns to power. Speak, God, until tragedy turns to triumph. We came to hear your voice, God. I pray let no one leave the same, but transform us through your word. If you believe it, somebody give him praise right now and as you are seated, just touch two people say I'm a force to be reckoned with a force to be reckoned with a force to be reckoned with somebody's gonna be a force to be reckoned with if there's anything I believe you have to understand about the nature and the character of God is that God is a God of plans God has plans for his people God's plans for his body are one thing, but God also has a unique and individual plan for you. God has a plan for your life. You should have said, amen. I said, God has a plan for you. That plan exceeds what people did and what people said, because your purpose is not found in people. Your purpose is found in God. That's why it shouldn't matter what they did or what they said and how they acted or what your mama and your daddy did or did not give or do. It matters what God has already said about you. God is a God of plans. Those plans come to prosper your life and take you into a place of purpose and in destiny god is a god of plan and because god is a god of plan that means god is a god of promise because when god wants to convey his plan his plan always comes through in the beginning like a promise god is a promising god See, if you would have understood what I just said right there, what I was giving you room to do is thank God for his promises because God's promises are yes and amen. When God promises you a thing, he's not going to take it back from you. Y'all ain't saying nothing. When God promises you a thing, he's not like people, and he's not like men, and he's not like women. People can be fickle with their promises, but when God gives you a promise, he who has begun a good work is faithful to finish the thing he starts. God is a promise keeper. When God says he's going to heal, he's going to heal. When God says he's going to deliver, he's going to deliver. God always delivers on his promises. One of the greatest things you could ever get in your life is not prophecy, it's promise. Because all prophecy should point to some level of promise. And if you are a person of promise, then what is the problem that is big enough to knock you off of the promise he gives? Why are you worried about problems if you have promise? In fact, let me just go ahead and suggest, I feel like preaching. Let me just go ahead and suggest to somebody that that little problem you're facing right now should not deter you, should not give you to give in or go out or quit or give up. But in fact, if you already have a promise that has not come to pass, that is pure, oh hallelujah, proof that God is not finished with your life and that this problem will not take you out. This disease will not kill you. This circumstance will not, oh hallelujah, Mess you up, God's promises always negate present problems. That's why you ought to be able to walk in here with a problem and still praise. That's why when you see me over there jumping and dancing, it doesn't mean I don't have a problem, it just means that I'm still believing His promise is bigger than the problem I have that my promise is the reason I praise that my promise is the reason I dance and shout my promise is the reason I give glory the promise is the reason I lift my hands the promise is the reason I move my feet the promise is the reason I wonder if I've got anybody in this church today that would take 10 seconds right here and praise over your promise even in the middle of a problem somebody give the devil a black eye right now and praise God despite the problem. God is a God of promise. He is a God of plan, which means ultimately you must know God is a God of victory. I said, God is a God of victory. God doesn't know how to lose. In fact, all God has ever done is win, 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 no matter what all he does is win and when it looks like the devil he just keeps winning and he just keeps winning and he just keeps winning and if he's winning you're winning oh hallelujah i said if he's winning you're winning if you're in him but if you're ever going to understand that god is a god of plan promise and victory then you must understand that god is also a god of strategy for what good is victory and plan and promise if there is no strategy to obey the reason why some of us don't have victory is because that we haven't obeyed strategy y'all too quiet I said the reason why some of us have not obtained victory is because we have not obeyed strategy because sometimes when a God strategy comes to you God's strategies don't come in the way you thought they should come let me give you Bible Joshua you are about to take Jericho Can you imagine Joshua who am I going to kill Lord whose heads coming off? Who am I slicing up today? You want me to sharpen my sword? How many swords am I going to need? I'll carry two. If you need me to carry two, he stands there and thinks he's about to take life. But God says you ain't going to kill nobody because my strategy for victory is you ain't swinging a sword. You're walking around the wall. excuse me lord yeah you're just gonna walk around it oh i know what you're saying lord I know, I know what you're gonna do you you can have me talk junk while i walk around the wall i'm coming you better be ready you ugly and listen to what god says no 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 strategy strategy you're gonna walk around the wall and not say nothing <laughs> See, most of us wouldn't have saw victory at Jericho because we wouldn't have obeyed long enough. We wouldn't have walked long enough without saying nothing. But God said, at the right time, as you obey my strategy, I will do for you what you couldn't do for yourself and handle what you couldn't handle. Y'all ain't saying nothing. When you obey my strategies, I can do some stuff that no man could do for you. Oh, hallelujah. That's beyond the plans you had for your life. But can you obey me long enough to see victory? God wants to give you victory, but he needs you to obey strategy. In our text, we are seeing the strategy of God for redemption. The strategy of God for redemption would be this, is that I am sending Jesus for redemption, but my strategy is that is before I send substance, I must have structure. Is this too deep? That any time God gets ready to send the substance of victory, the substance of the thing you need, faith is the su- sub- substance. Faith is the substance of things. God says, "I'm always interested in letting your faith bring substance, but you have to show me structure so I can send substance." God, I want a, bus- I want a business, but you don't have a savings account. I want my kids saved, but I won't make them come to church. I want stuff that I have not the structure for, and God says, I've got the substance. All you have to do is give me the structure, and if you give me the structure, I'll bring the substance of oh hallelujah, and faith will become reality. Some of you, God is trying to bless you bigger than what you know, but there is not enough structure to hold the thing he's trying to send. God is trying to bless you with more finances. He's trying to bless your life with more Oh hallelujah. Right relationships, better jobs, but there is no structure to support it, and if There is no structure. He cannot send it. Oh, am I helping anybody today? If I say nothing else, I just preached right there. Because some of you got to learn how to make your cup bigger. You have to learn how to increase your capacity. For however big the cup is, God has enough blessing to pour into your life. God is trying to send the substance of Jesus. So at first, he sends the structure called John. John is more than a prophet. He is the scaffolding of redemption in the thing called Christ. And Jesus opens up this text by talking about the structure as the substance. Oh, help me do it. John is the structure. And they step out, and Jesus begins to talk about the structure. He says... John was greater than what you even knew. But before he was a prophet to you, he was a cousin to me. (laughs) You know him as the prophet. I know him from family reunions. (laughs) Because this is not some adept, weird relationship. This relationship between Jesus and John had been going on forever, a long time, lifelong. Be- oh, help me do it because real relationship takes time yeah. Yeah, too much too soon too freely always ends in disaster when it comes to relationship yeah. somebody should have said amen yeah. and he said let me take you back he said to the day we first connected substance and structure and the Bible says, if you study it, that the first connection encounter between Jesus and John, are you all right, are you hanging in there with? Me? The first day, the first moment of encounter, the Bible says, the Bible says that Elizabeth is shut up in her house, pregnant with John, but theologians teach us that the reason she has gone into hiding is because and shut the door and locked the windows and all that, is because she believed that the baby on the inside of her was dead, carrying. A dead thing with a living promise because that's some of us in this room this morning y'all ain't saying nothing is that God gave us the promise planted it in our spirit but it hadn't kicked there's no heartbeat We look back five years ago, and every time we thought about his promise, we jumped. It jumped. Everything jumped. We danced and shouted, but it's been five years, and nothing's happened. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It's been ten years, and we ain't seen the fruit of any of the promises of God in our life. And now, instead of working in faith and connecting with people, we have shut the door and barricaded ourselves in. No relationships, no help, and we are now stuck with what we believe is a stillborn dream. Some of you worship today with a stillborn dream on the inside of you. There are people in this room that have have been dreaming big things. But isn't it amazing in that text that the moment it looked like the baby was dead and it looked like nothing was happening and it looked like the devil had won. Isn't it amazing that just at the right time, God sent Mary to Elizabeth with Jesus on the inside that's what god does god takes people who have jesus on the inside of y'all ain't saying nothing who have jesus on the inside of them and will walk you up to people who have no dreams and no hope and they feel like they've lost their way and he'll let the jesus on the inside of you become ministry for somebody else and the bible says that the moment that mary got around elizabeth the baby on the inside elizabeth Oh, I said the baby on the inside of Elizabeth leapt because that's what that's what you want to happen in a service like this. You want your baby to start leaping. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. I said, that's what you want in a meeting. That's what you want in a church. That's what you want in a relationship is you got to be around some people that make your baby leap. You got to grin around some people that make your dreams, that make your faith rise, that make you believe that anything and everything is possible. I wonder, is there anybody in this room that's got a baby that's leaping right now? In fact, God sent me into this room today to tell you it's not dead, it's not done, it's not finished. The dream is still very much alive. God told me to tell you, keep dreaming and keep thinking. Your baby ought to be leaping and kicking by the time you leave this place today. Somebody give him praise right now. Somebody's dream's kicking right now. I feel like preaching. Somebody's dream's kicking right now. I hear you, Holy Ghost. Start the business. I hear you, Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to believe again. Your family will be saved. Your kids will be saved. Somebody's baby needs to leap again. When they touch, the baby leaped. Mm. See, the problem is some of you have been hanging around some spiritual abortionists. Some of you hang around some folks that when you get around them, what you thought was dead becomes dead. And you always know who the person is who makes your baby leap and who the person is that makes your baby die not by how you feel when you meet them but by how you feel when you leave them because some of you get around some folks and the minute you leave them you're depressed you're anxious you're worried y'all ain't saying nothing you got fear but see you got to get around some folks in your life that the minute you start hanging around them when you leave them you feel like you can change the world when you leave them, you feel like anything is possible. When you leave them, you feel like everything can happen for me. When you leave them, you feel like souls are gonna be saved and bodies are gonna be healed. When you leave them, you feel like running to the graveyard and standing over top of the grave and saying in the name of Jesus, rise. Some of y'all got to get around some people that make you wanna go up in the hospital and lay your hands on the sick and see them recover. You gotta get around some people that don't kill the dream, but they make the dream come alive in you. And can I go deeper? I'm learning at 33. And as a leader who's getting a little bit of influence in the world and in the nation, I'm learning. I don't want to be always be the person that has my baby leaping. I want to be the person that makes everybody else's baby that's real leadership. Real leadership just doesn't receive. Real leadership gives of itself to make somebody else's dream come to life. God, make this church a place where people come in and the moment they touch your life and the moment they shake your hand, something comes back alive. If you believe it, give God praise right now. Because you can't have him and not have resurrection power on the inside of you for the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I feel like preaching now. I said the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive on the inside of you. You ought to touch somebody and all of a sudden some start jumping on the inside of them. God is moving. I'm telling you, if the devil was smart, he should have killed you before you came because something's happening in this room right now. I feel victory in this room. I feel faith in this room. I feel something stirring in this room. This city is about to never be the same. This community is about to never be the same. God is making some babies leap. Just just high-five two people. Say, did you feel that? Oh, hallelujah. Just, did you feel that? Did you feel that? That's my dream. That's your dream. That's your dream. That's your dream. That's my dream. High-five them. High-five two more people. That's my dream. That's your dream. Now, if you believe God is a God who's about to bring every dream to fruition, somebody give him praise right now. Y'all picked the wrong day to mess with me. And the Bible says, oh, can I go deeper? And the Bible says that John does more than come alive. That the power was so great in Jesus that when they connected womb to womb, that John becomes the first baby. No, no, not even baby, embryo. To have the baptism of the Holy Spirit Now that's power. Oh, wait to say, oh, you didn't think he had to grow up to be God. You didn't think Jesus had to be 12 to be God. From the moment he got in Mary's womb, he was just as much God in that womb. Y'all ain't saying nothing. <gasps> What am I trying to tell you? That no matter how big or small God is still God over all things, and he's bigger than all things, and it doesn't matter how little the situation or how big his power still is power, somebody who believes it, give him glory in this room. John's the first person to be an embryo in the womb. They said, John, what's your first words? He says, sha-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. All them other babies saying mama, dad, that he says, Shandaboho Shia. Oh glory to God. Glory to God. God, I pray every child in that children's ministry right now. I just felt that come on me. I pray every child in that children's ministry building. Right now, receive the Holy Ghost. I pray right now, Spirit of God, weave your way over to that building and begin to touch. I pray, baptize every little one. I pray, get in the nursery. I pray in the name of Jesus, let our young people be filled with the Holy Ghost and with If you believe in moms and dads, grandmas, somebody shout now. Oh, I feel like running. I said, I feel like running. I said, I feel like a revival is about to break out with our young people and with our children. Something is happening in this room. The kindergarten full of the Holy Ghost. Let them go into third grade full of the Holy Ghost. Let them walk up in there binding demons and erasing generational curses. God, fill them with your spirit. Oh, be seated. Excuse me, I just caught a glimpse of a citywide revival with young people. Excuse me, I just saw it in my spirit. And they touched and John got filled and there was an encounter. And all of a sudden John is born. But watch this, he's born different. Y'all shouted good. This part might not be that kind of material. Because you can't tell me you've had an encounter with God and not come out of the encounter and be different. Now, I know sanctification is a progressive work, but there ought to be some level of difference in your life having encountered the presence of the Lord. There ought to be something in your life that doesn't do what you used to do. Y'all ain't saying nothing. John comes out of the encounter and he is different. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? Everybody else in his family is running to the temple. John says, I'm going to go to the wilderness. Because watch this. The difference is in the different. Some of you have been asking God for impact, but you refuse to become different than everything else you're in. How can I have influence over it if I am still in it? God said, I'm going to use John as the precursor, but if I'm going to bring different, I'm going to have to send different. And John, who is different, finds himself running into a difference-making world, watch this, which produces a distinction in his life. Yes, John was distinct. Are y'all still with me? John was, dis- John was distinct. He was. All right. Everybody else wanted some robes? John said, no, I, I like that camel's hair thing over there. John, what are we going to eat today? My favorite. What's your favorite, John? Locust. Locust, John? Yeah, and some wild honey. I'll give you a little sweet to go with that. Even that was prophetic. Because John stands at the center point between the Old Testament and
1: the
0: New Testament. And to eat the locust first was to eat the thing that plagued the children of Israel. Can I go deep? Locust was the plague and John said, the first thing I do when I wake up is I devour my devourer. Oh! See, some of you, when you wake up, you got to start eating the things that plagued you. you got to look at it and say, I have enough of you. You you are becoming my dinner. I'm about to eat everything that tried to hold me back. I am devouring my devourer. But at the same time, I'm going to eat some honey. Why? Because honey represented the promised land. Locust was the plague of Egypt. So I'm going to eat my past and I'm going to drink my future because that's the diet of those who are different in the kingdom of God. We are different because we eat our past and we drink our future, somebody who believes it, give him praise right now. Ooh, I'm telling you. What's on the menu? I'm killing my past and I'm going to my future. Every single day, that's how I eat. Something's gonna die and some's gonna come to life. Some's gonna die and some's gonna come to life because I am not from back there. God is calling me to my future. Be seated, let me preach. My God, there is something in this room today. John, who is different, creates distinction, which gives him influence and impact. People start coming out of everywhere to try to figure out John. And the thing is, he only preached one message. Can you imagine being one of John's disciples? Hey, you got a word? Yeah. What's your word? Repent. Next day, you got a word? I'm about to preach. I'm about to preach. We're going to preach on repent. Same message major influence why because he embraced different and distinction You can say the same thing over and over but if you ever embrace different have distinction It doesn't matter what you say people will come to hear what you have to say John his birth out of distinction comes into it which leads him here. It is destiny different distinct for destiny because he is given the illustrious title that no other prophet is given in scripture. All the other prophets are given names, but John is not called John. They call him the voice. Wait a second. Hmm. Structure and substance. Oh. I'm giving you the title, a voice because voice is the structure for word. Because Jesus is the word, and how could I ever have a word? Y'all ain't saying nothing. How can I ever have a word if I don't raise up the structure called a voice? John is the voice because it is through the scaffolding of John's life that that is a word, and that's all that God has ever called you to be. He doesn't want you to be Jesus. He wants you to be the voice by which Jesus comes through to be the life by which Jesus comes through. You're not called to be Christ. All you're called to be is open, an open vessel, a mouthpiece by which God can move through. And all of a sudden, I've got to hurry. And all of a sudden, the two walk together, distinction. He's given the voice and time goes by where the scaffolding and the structure and the substance are doing life together looking like a modern day spiritual construction site scaffolding and building scaffolding and building. I got John, but I'm raising Jesus. Do you see it? I got, I'm developing Christ. I got John, but I'm making sure Jesus is what he needs to be. I got John, but I've got Jesus in the wilderness. I got John, but Jesus, John and Jesus until they come into their second encounter. That almost looks like the same as the first. I know what you're thinking. Wait a second. Weren't they in the womb on the first one? Yeah, they're in the womb, but they're in water. Because the second encounter happened in the water. The first encounter happened in the water of the womb. The second encounter happens in the water of the Jordan. Water and water, water and water. Because everything that happened between these men, these two men happened from spirit to spirit, spirit to spirit, spirit to spirit. And he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, the forerunner, can I go deep? Y'all pulling on me this morning. All of a sudden, John, who is the voice, AKA the forerunner, the forerunner puts himself in water. Why? So that he stops running long enough to raise what's coming next. Because the goal of one generation is not to race the next one, it's to raise the next one to become. No, no, no. I'm not called to race you. I'm called to raise you. I'm called to help you get to where God's called you to be. I'm called to come alongside you and tell you that there is greater things on the inside of you than you even know. God, give us back a generation of saints that don't get mad at the generation, but say, grab Grab my hand and let me raise you to the level you're called to be. Somebody give him glory right now. The forerunner is standing in water. Jesus comes down in water. And all of a sudden, John points his finger through the crowd. Time out. I always know your maturity level by what you point out in people. See how quiet it just got? I should have shouted earlier. I always know how mature you really are by what you point out in people when you come in contact with them. And by the way, what are you pointing out in people? Are you tearing them down or building them up? Are you cursing them or blessing them? Y'all ain't saying nothing. How are you speaking about people when you see them? Because when John got in front of Jesus, the, oh, insecurity could have got him and he could have cursed a ministry sent to bless his own. But instead he looked and said, as all good spiritual fathers do and good leaders do, he released two things. He released identity and assignment. Identity, behold the Lamb of God. Assignment, who takes away the sins of the world. Because all good leadership, that's what they continue to do in your life, is release identity and assignment. Identity and assignment. Identity and assignment. Why? Because after a while, if you hear it enough, you'll start to believe it. Be seated, y'all. 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 Be seated. Let me finish this. I got spiritual sons standing and all that good stuff. Be seated. Let me finish this. You even got to the good part. Amen. And all of a sudden, John points to the crowd, says, "Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world." And in one moment, they're standing there, and one goes down, and another comes up. But watch, heaven opens up over both. Because you can't bless somebody else and God not bless you for blessing them. See, everybody else talks about what God said over Jesus. Don't get it twisted. It's not just what God said because heaven was opened up over both of them. There is a blessing just for being nice. (laughs) There's a blessing for being kind. And I preached all that to get here. I'm almost done. Is that all of a sudden now the two live life doing ministry together? Not competing, completing. John's over here, Jesus is over there, but they're doing ministry together. Because that's what God wants from this house. He wants you to do it together. 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 Why? Because one can put a thousand, but Together, we can put 10,000 to flight together, 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 together means we don't care what race each other is. Together, it doesn't mean where your background is and where you came from. See, that's why you gotta get really get to know people beyond that surface stuff. Because they may look like somebody you never hang out with, but deep on the inside of them is the very thing you need to be yourself. And if you would just get to know somebody, you would find out that God sometimes brings people you would never have thought that you'd be friends with, but he'll touch them. That's why you gotta be in a small group. That's why you gotta be willing to reach across the aisle because you never know what relationship is the one that unlocks the blessing in you together together for years they do ministry together can you imagine together I would have loved to have seen that ministry Jesus doing what Jesus does John doing what John does and there's not a single fight together until one day till one day they bring him some news. One day God looks at Jesus and says, you can play softly. He looks at Jesus and says, the time has almost come that it's your turn because every good contractor knows that when the building is built, the scaffolding comes down. And there is always a moment in your life when God sees you're ready, he puts you in a place where you experience removal. It's your readiness that prompts the removal. Because some of you are blaming the devil for something God removed. (laughs) Remove. And let me just say this there is no greater pain than the pain of removal I wish I had some real people I said there is no greater pain than the pain of removal and the reason why some of you didn't say amen is either because you haven't lived long enough or you haven't loved deep enough you know you want to know what keeps me up at night You want to know when I cry and why I cry it's because sometimes you love people so much in ministry and you give your heart to people only to watch those same people reject the love you give and walk out and do what they want to do and there is a pain that comes with removal There's real pain when people you gave your life to walk away from you. There's real pain when the people in your family and the people in your circumstances and the people at your job, they were there in one season, but in next season they are removed and it hurts and it makes you cry. And all of a sudden you can't fight the tears. There is real pain. And if you don't look, if you don't understand destiny you will abort it by running from the pain because how can Jesus be the head of the church until John loses his head because how did John die John didn't die upside down on the cross. John didn't die doing something else. The Bible says when they got ready to kill John, there was only one way that John could die. He had to lose his head because foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place. Y'all ain't saying nothing to lay his head. God said, if John's head doesn't go, you will walk around. That scripture isn't saying that Jesus was homeless. It was saying that he had no body to put his head on. So how can I be the head of the body unless John loses his head? And they take John and they behead him, gone. And we are privy to the pain in the humanity of Jesus. Can you see Jesus? He knows it's his turn, but he's still hurt by what just left his life. And he goes into an excerpt about how great John was until we get to verse 12 when he says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom suffers Wait a second, wait a second, you want success, but God says, don't ask me for success in my kingdom if you're not willing to go through suffering in my kingdom. Nobody preaches suffering anymore. Everybody wants to preach blessing and success and get it now and have it today. But in the kingdom of God, sometimes to get the greatest things, you have to walk down a long, lonely and tough road called suffering. Sometimes you have to walk with all hell breaking loose around you. You have to walk with the pressure and the worry and you can't help but cry and you can't help but feel like you're going to give up and you don't know how you're going to take another step. But it was the suffering. Oh, I know you want the oil from the olive, but the olive must suffer before the oil. Oil is released. It is the suffering that is producing. What if I told you that everything you've been going through was God's way of promoting you? because some of us would have stayed comfortable and we wouldn't have moved and we wouldn't have gone forward. So God led a little bit of suffering. He didn't author it. He allowed the suffering to produce the oil. I feel the anointing of God to produce it. And some of you walked in this room tired and you walked in weary and you walked in thinking, God, what am I gonna do? And where am I gonna go? And God said, you are closer than what you even know. For this light affliction is working an exceeding weight of glory in your life I know it hurts but if you don't quit there is a glory coming to your life and an anointing coming to your life that you have yet to know or have ever seen God is trying to bless you if you don't quit in the suffering for the kingdom of heaven suffers, but they don't just suffer; they suffer violence, hit, hurt. If I would look at some of you in the spirit, you got black eyes. If I were to look at some of you in the in the spirit right now, you've got torn up parts of your body because you've been run ragged because the kingdom suffers. Y'all ain't saying nothing. For the kingdom suffers violence. You've been suffering violence. You've been suffering violence. But what the devil didn't want you to know, I feel like preaching now. Let me land this plane. What the devil didn't want you to know is that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent, oh yeah. What you didn't understand in this room is that while you were experiencing violence, that was God's way of making you violent. That it was the force of the violence that was producing the strength on the inside of you. That all of a sudden, while you were getting beat down, some of you started saying, When I get about this thing, oh, when I get about this thing, I'ma tear down every wall in hell. I'ma go get my kids back, my, oh, my family back, let though the kingdom suffers, suffers, suffers. Supposed uh, devil, you messed up uh, because you made me violent, uh, you made me pray more, you made me worship people. I give my feelings. feel a fight coming on me if the devil would have known any better he would have left you alone because he was hitting you and he didn't even know that as he was hitting you it was creating violence on the inside of you No, 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 not physical violence. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. He was hitting you, and all of a sudden, you started getting violent, Shandoboshata. You started praying at midnight. You started coming to prayer meeting. You started getting in the altars, because the kingdom suffers violence, but the violence, I said all that to say this, but the violence, feel the Holy Ghost, but the violent, the violent, take it by force, God told me to tell you, you're about to take your stuff and get it back, reach up, reach up, I don't know what you need to get. me. Back, take it by force. Somebody shout now. I hear the war drums. I hear war drums. Because today you thought you were coming to a nice, cute service. God ordained this moment for you to reach up and get your stuff back. I don't know what you need to get back, but I want you right now to take 60 seconds and whatever you thought the enemy spoke, God said, reach up and take it back. You got 60 seconds, open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. Take it, take it, take it you got 40 seconds, take it By force Take it By force Now lift your hands and we say this now i fight by force. This is how fight my this
1: is how One more time we
0: say yeah. I'm telling you every time he hits that. I feel hell get nervous. Because sometimes the greatest enemy is not the enemy. Sometimes the greatest enemy is your timidity. Because 2018 is not a year for you to be timid or intimidated. This is your year to get your stuff back. And to be used by God. The kingdom, watch this, I'm done. Oh, shut The kingdom suffers violence. But the violent, watch this, take it. They don't beg for it. They don't ask nicely for it. Let me show you. The kingdom suffers violence. Did I ask her if I could have her mic? Did I ask her to give me what I thought belonged to me? No, because every once in a while, you got to walk up in the enemy's camp and take back what that devil stole from you and take it by force. So you got 30 seconds right here with force to not ask but God said reach out and get what's yours it belongs to let you go but God told me not to let you go without turning you loose so we got one minute one minute I thought God was gonna have me lay hands on you but there was such faith in this room that some of you were about to reach up and get it for yourself without the help of some pra- preacher or pastor But let me tell you what violence looks like in the kingdom. Violence looks like uninhibited free worship. And some of you ain't been this free in years. But but some of you, God is going to give you 60 seconds to get a little bit violent in your worship. So if you got to jump, jump, if you got to dance, dance. And you got to shout, shout. But whatever you do for 60 seconds, the violent take it by force. So while you're in the middle of worshiping, reach up and get something. While you're in the middle of dancing, reach up and get something. Are you ready? Oh, one, hallelujah. Two, three, somebody, dance, shout, sing. you to do something I'm not willing to do and many of you know the struggle that we've been in with having a baby you want to know where this message came from God told me that in 2018 he said Josh stop being so passive about my promise of a child in your life So you know what? The kingdom suffers. We've been suffering. We've been crying. We've been praying and we've been fasting. But this year, I ain't crying no more. This year, I ain't worrying no more. This year, I ain't fretting no more. Because the kingdom suffers violence but the violence. I prophesy in 2018, we will see baby Carter. I prophesy that by the end of this year, I will see my child. I will see my baby. I was the kingdom. Suffers. Violence. But the violence. Take it. I take my child. I take my baby. Now reach up one more time. We say, Pastor Josh, why are you preaching? Spirit of the Lord is moving. Pastor Josh, why'd you preach this? I know we're over time, I'm sorry. But when God shows up, God just, look, I don't wanna give him room, I wanna give him the room. Pastor Josh, why are you preaching this? Because even as a church, We're about to step into the season of what a love. We're about to step into our Easter season. Do you not think? I don't think it's by chance Reverend Graham passed away when he did. Do you know the biggest moment for churches is Easter Sunday? For souls. Here we are, nearly one month away from Easter. I believe God had me speak this message prophetically to you not just for yourself but for us as a body that we're about to see more souls at Calvary than we have ever seen in our lives Billy <laughs> Graham is dead you know what that means you're up Who will become the great next soul winner of our generation? Who will become the one that sees thousands of thousands of souls saved? I want you to reach over and put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. I feel that in this room. Pastor Anderson's going to come up here and pray to close us. but it wouldn't be right for us to leave this place. Without us praying for souls he's, I'm gonna pray for souls and pastor Anderson's gonna come close so don't leave right away I see the BB gun guys they're up there Whew, has God not been good to us today I thank him for his presence and let me just say this I know pastor tells you but I love you I never thought we pinch ourselves every day to think that we get to come just be near you I love you so father I pray usher us into the greatest season of evangelism your body has ever seen father make souls and love and mercy and grace a matter of our hearts and not just of our minds God I pray move in us Lord as we touch Lord I pray Lord Lord I pray save family members touch lost loved ones God the kingdom suffers violence but we, as the violent, take it today by force. In the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, amen. amen. Keep your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Pastor Anderson is coming to close. I love you so much. We love you so much. Pastor Anderson, why don't you close?
1: Come on, if God's been good today, won't you make some noise one more time? Well, God's good, Amen. Come on, hey, we want to remind you of a couple things. If you're a first-time guest with us, stop by in the back. Pastor Josh and Natasha, our team, our staff, is headed back there now. Man, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to just welcome you to our family, welcome you home to Calvary. Small groups start today. Anybody excited about small groups starting? My wife and I are headed to get lunch right after this with our group, and we're so excited about it. But, hey, we love you. Remember you are a force to be reckoned with. And look, I said it in first service, I'll say it again. Pastor's been saying we're about to take what God's doing at Calvary into our community in small groups. And I believe that if we're the type of force like Pastor Josh says we are, and I believe we are, and we take this into our community, our city can't help but be changed. Our region can't help but be lit on fire for God. Can I pray over you one more time? Lord, we love you, God, we thank you for everything you've done in this place. And God, we ask today, God, that you make us, that you make Calvary a force to be reckoned with. And God, during this Easter season, this what a love, this evangelism season, God, that we see hundreds of thousands of souls come to know you through the force that is Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.